You're listening to the Gluten-Free Globalicious podcast with Chef Lori Miller. Today, I'll be interviewing Heather DiBiase, a registered dietitian from New York. Heather and I met a few years ago via Instagram, and I immediately loved her work because she doesn't believe in dietary extremes, but rather a common sense approach to eating that includes balance and total body nourishment that provides long-term weight loss benefits. Heather is also a monthly writer for my online publication, Gluten-Free Globalicious, where she writes a monthly segment on gluten-free nutrition and tips. Heather is just one of those people who has so much wisdom and guidance for age that you can't help but respect and admire her so much. Now, let's get started. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for being with us here today. I want you to introduce yourself so all of my listeners can hear you because you offer so much great wisdom, knowledge, and advice in the nutritional world, especially for our celiac people. So go ahead and start you know, telling everybody about who you are. Yeah, hi. Thank you for so, so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so my name is Heather. I'm a registered dietitian in New York. So basically I'm a freezing cold right now, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, I'm a registered dietitian and I work at a private practice. So I help a lot of people with like weight loss and a lot of um, medical nutrition therapy. And I also actually work, I don't even know if you know this, at a long-term care center. So I do like two part-time jobs and yeah. So why you're really busy, I didn't know you were doing all that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's been really fun for me. It's been fun for me to watch you because I've been connected to you for about two years now. And I, you know, you were going to school, then you graduated, then you went back to school, you got your master's degree. And so that's really been great to see you accomplish all of that. And, you know, in the short time. Yeah, thank you. I know it's been a hectic couple of years, especially since I became a dietitian. And I feel like my life is just getting busier because I have so much that I want to accomplish and do and like even online I like to create material for people so it can help them out um, even better too so yeah but I like being busy I like to you know have a lot going on in my schedule. You you seem especially really, when you like what you do. <laughs> yeah, because you seem really motivated. I mean, you're doing a lot, and then I see all your posts, and they're so informative. I'm dying to know on my end, and I'm sure my listeners are as well. When did you realize that you wanted to become a dietitian? Yeah, so I think that like it kind of started back even before high school. I started getting into nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, that's when I really, my interest for nutrition started to come about. I felt a little bit, like, uncomfortable in my body. It would say I have that body type where I can gain and lose weight really mm-hmm. easily. So it's like a blessing and a curse, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> but anyways, going into high school, I lost some weight by basically not doing it the healthiest way. I was kind of following what my mom was doing. Sorry, mm-hmm. mom, but, you know counting points here and counting calories there and like low fat this and mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I was doing but I had like a little interest in it mm-hmm. and um yeah so I did lose weight but it wasn't necessarily the healthiest way to go about it and it wasn't a significant amount of weight just to make myself feel more energetic and just you know feel more confident mm-hmm. so that's still a little bit so when I went into college I went to 
NASA Community College for a couple of years because I had no idea what I wanted to do. It's like you get out of high school and you're supposed to know exactly what you want to do. And I, I had no idea. So I kind of like dabbled in a bunch of different classes trying to figure out what I liked. And they were basically like, okay, this is your last semester. One, you need to figure out what you want to do. Two, <laughs> two, you have to take a science class. You need another science class. So I was like, okay, biology and nutrition sounds amazing. And I basically like... The first day of that class, I fell in love with it. My teacher was amazing. He was so passionate about it. I couldn't even believe the stuff he was saying and how it can really, um, you know, prevent diseases and just really contribute to such a better better quality of life mm-hmm. just by the food that you eat. I mean, who would have even thought, right? Right. So it was, but, it, it was that teacher then that triggered that whole kind of, hmm, I might pursue this kind of thing. Yeah, and it was like, I was looking back into what I was doing in high school, and I was like, oh my god, like, I thought I was eating healthy, this was low calorie, low fat, points, right? And mm-hmm. I, and it wasn't, and it was like, completely really the opposite, if you think about it, because basically, what I was eating was packaged foods, like, mm-hmm. and processed foods, too, yeah. but yeah, that triggered it. And how many of us were so focused on all those low-fat foods that were actually causing us more harm? I mean, there's, 100%, there's yeah. millions of us who are now, we're like reversing the whole get-up, the whole daily routine of food. Definitely, and it's, it's really one of the reasons why I'm so passionate now about like not focusing so much on calories and especially not the low-fat. Mm-hmm. Um, I really am not a fan of and... And sticking to more whole foods because I just, you know, I think that's what people don't realize. It's, it's we need to be eating, like, those whole foods and not, like, those processed foods. And just because something says low-fat or low-calorie or whatever it is, it doesn't mean it's healthy. And also, I remember everyone in the class was, like, totally not into it. They'd be sitting there eating Doritos, and I would be there, like, packing <laughs> my salads then. And it's just, like, you're really... I loved it. It was great. It was, <laughs> and yeah, so that's, that's what it, triggered that for it me. It was going in one ear and out the other for the other students. <laughs> oh, yeah. They could, they could care less, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so give us um, a run-through of a typical day with your clients. What do most of them seek from you as far as, you know, what do they come in for and what what advice are they seeking from you? Yeah, so... Um, I see a lot of weight loss, but I do also see other um, things like hypertension, high blood pressure, um, high blood sugar, like diabetes, insulin resistance, um, also things like high cholesterol levels, but most people come in and they want to lose weight and also typically weight loss will help those issues as well. Mm -hmm. So that's like the main person that I see, and even moving forward, I'm focusing a lot more um, on weight loss specifically. So that's that's like my typical person that I'm seeing throughout the day, and mm-hmm. basically I'll see patients back to back. I usually don't schedule a break because I'm the type of person that's just like let's just keep going. And once I stop, I just wanna I just wanna be done. So I'll um, see patients, whether it's new patients or follow ups, and in between that, I'll be checking their blood triggers if they're diabetic or their weight or follow-up questions that they may have in between sessions. Mm-hmm. That's a really loaded day. That's really a lot of, of mental work because you've got to keep track of people and, you know, so much involved. 
Totally. It could definitely be exhausting after those days, but it's all worth it. Right. You're doing a good thing to help people. Do you have many uh, celiac clients that come in who have to be on gluten-free diets? And what are they What are they looking for to gain as far as some knowledge from you? So I actually, I don't see too many patients that are celiac. Some mm-hmm. have celiac disease, but I do see some. I more see patients that have of gluten intolerance or sensitivity, mm-hmm. um, specifically if they have some type of like autoimmune disorder, that's mm-hmm. usually where I see that, um, or like RBS or Crohn's disease. Right. I don't see like too many specific for celiac in just where I'm working now, but yeah, more like the gluten sensitivity that I'll see, and mm-hmm. it's really difficult for them. Now, what do you... What do you think about, because I I know a few people who right now are currently getting tested for celiac disease. There's like a couple ladies, family friends that go way back. And so their doctors had mentioned to them that a couple years ago, oh, you might have irritable bowel, you might have Crohn's disease. And my reaction was, well, they should get gluten-free. But their doctors told them no, they didn't have to worry about that. And now they're really having, you know, a lot of pain and a lot of issues. And it's like, do you, so you're saying that your, your patients with, you know, IBS or Crohn's, they are living gluten-free? Some of them, yeah. So usually if I have something like that, Mm -hmm. we'll do some sort of elimination diet. And Mm -hmm. that's typically one of the first things that um, we'll pull out and reintroduce and see how it affects them. But I, I feel like more than... More often than not, it does affect individuals with those digestive disorders. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that I see, and I, I think, um, yeah. And after they have, you know, done a few, maybe a week or two of the elimination, do they feel better when they've cut gluten out? As have that, what have the results been for them? Yeah, some people will automatically feel better. Some people will, so I usually do it for at least a month. Like, at mm-hmm. least a month, they need to cut it out and then reintroduce it. Mm-hmm. But some people, they don't necessarily see too many changes right away. It's more when they're, like, reintroducing it back into their diet. Mm-hmm. That's when they notice how much better they felt without it. Oh, that's good. That's really good. I, I'm sure that they feel like... A weight has been lifted off. It's what I'm hearing from people now because, you know, they're going through their testings and they get off of it. One girl was on it for four days and she said she felt better. And then she, you know, she got off track and she went back and had a Subway sandwich. And then she was in a lot of pain because, you know, when you don't have it for a couple days and then all of a sudden you go back to eating gluten, like many of us do in the very beginning of our diagnosis, Oh my gosh, it's even more painful to to have it back in the system. Absolutely, yeah, um, definitely, and it, it's a really challenging thing I think for people to hear that they can never have something again. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the times, especially as a dietitian, I don't like people having that or not, nothing mentality. But when it comes to a food allergy or intolerance, mm-hmm. it's kind of like it has to be like that. So it's challenging because you're used to eating these all the time and. Now all of a sudden someone's telling me that like you can't eat it, and but I think when it comes to people having digestive issues, mm-hmm. when they feel how much better they, when they see how much better they feel not having those foods, those patients are motivated and they, they don't want it because 
they know how much better they're feeling without it and they don't want those symptoms that they get when they eat it. So I find that they're the most motivated patients too sometimes. Right. Yeah. Well, I we I wish them well on their their journey because it's not an easy one. But you know, as soon as they start to feel better, yeah. the, hopefully that'll motivate them to keep going. Yeah, and that's not really anything. I see that with weight loss too. I mean, a lot of people, like I said, come to see me, they want to lose weight, but they stick around because of how they feel. Mm-hmm. So, well, good. We can make you feel if you're eating the right stuff for you. Good for them. Uh, listen, as a chef, I have a long list of things that inspire me, you know, such as fresh vegetables, healthy recipes, and oh, just, you know, ingredients in general. But I also have a list of things that annoy me as far as food options. So from a food, from a nutritionist point of view, what are some things that please you today? Like when you go out to eat or when you're in the grocery store, what are things that make you happy that you see regarding food? Yeah, so... Some things that I love, especially right now, are how, like, creative just produce is becoming when it comes to, not even talking about noodles, because I feel like that's even, like, you know, everyone knows about that, but even, like, cauliflower rice, and my new favorite is kohlrabi noodles, because Uh I'm always trying to get people to focus their meals on vegetables, so this kind of gives them that, like, creative outlet to do that, and, like, just gives them more variety, and I'm all about just getting more vegetables into your diet, because I think most, especially Americans, are not eating those vegetables. Right. So I really love those. But I also think it's a lo- it's funny sometimes, too, because for things like the cauliflower pizza crust, mm-hmm. I think we've spoken about this before. I think I actually wrote an article in the magazine about it, but right. yeah, a little while ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. But um, it was, it's funny because everyone's like, cauliflower pizza crust, meanwhile, if you look at the ingredient list, Usually the first couple ingredients are corn or brown rice flour, and that's fine, but mm-hmm. it's not, like, a substitute for a vegetable, mm-hmm. so it, it, it can kind of go both ways with the, being creative with the vegetables, but I do like, like, all the spiralized noodles and the rices and stuff like that, because I think it's just such a great way to get people to eat more vegetables. Mm-hmm. Have you, I know you like to go to Trader Joe's and so do I, and I saw your Instagram stories the other day where you got your, your Trader Joe's haul and you were showing what you bought. Have you tried the, um, the broccoli rice, the rice broccoli yet? I haven't tried it from there actually, but I've tried it before. Yeah. And I really, I really do like it. It's like similar to the cauliflower rice and I just. I think that just makes, like, whipping up a meal so easy, and mm-hmm. you can just, I love putting different sauces on it, like Trader Joe's, but that vegan pesto sauce is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and I'm always putting that with either broccoli rice or cauliflower rice, it's a big go-to, but yeah, I do like that. Yeah, I like using their broccoli rice for uh, bread. It makes a really nice bread. Oh, yeah, you have some good recipes for that, right? Yeah, <laughs> I will. I gotta check those out. I gotta try those. <laughs> So, okay, so you've you've told us what you like about going into markets and restaurants and seeing what food options are there. What peeves you? What bugs you? Like, for me, it's about it's the low-fat stuff and all this sugar-loaded stuff. But for you, what is it that bothers you? Yeah, well, that definitely bothers me, too. Like I said before, like, anything that says low-fat or funny, like, you'll see low-cholesterol and things that don't even, shouldn't have cholesterol in it anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's... Like, that kind of stuff really bothers me. And also, like, the natural that you'll see on labels. Because people see natural and they automatically think something's healthy when it's 
totally not true. And honestly, most of the time when they're putting natural on something, they're trying to cover up what it really is. It's usually not very natural because <laughs> there's no regulations on that claim. Right. So those, those food claims that either are just not accurate at all mm-hmm. or are saying things like low-fat, which I'm such a fan of the healthy fats, especially because low-fat is going to be most of the time higher in sugar. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big proponent of decreasing sugar in the diet. So I'd rather someone have the full-fat product. Mm-hmm. Um that's probably my biggest pet peeve and also the fact that a lot of unhealthy foods are really like super available like you walk in the supermarket and in the checkout line you have candy bars and and all that kind of stuff right there and it's just like asking you to buy it that Mm -hmm. really bothers me too in the supermarket yeah there's just just it's amazing when you see the food products and that they were allowed to create and allowed to sell. I mean, I don't want to be a food police, but I'm baffled when I see products and then I look at the ingredients and it's, you know, like a can of soup is a thousand milligrams of sodium and you go, okay, if somebody buys that, that's maybe for lunch, but they've already eaten breakfast and they're probably going to have a dinner. So how much more sodium are they going to take in? Because I, I, as I'm getting older and high blood pressure, hypertension runs in my family, I'm getting concerned about, you know, high blood pressure. I don't want to get on meds. I don't want to have to have that problem. So uh, for me, I'm always looking at the sodium content. And I'm amazed that these products are being allowed to be sold on the market. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a really smart that you're looking at that, too. And it's funny, because that can of soup is usually two servings. So mm-hmm. if it's 1,000 milligrams oh. per serving, which it usually is, yeah. 2,000 for the can, and that's basically what you need in a day. Oh you need, gosh. like, 2,400 milligrams. So, it, yeah, this, that's definitely a good point, because a lot of um, packaged foods, processed foods, are going to be high in sodium. I mean, mm-hmm. even things like chicken sausage you'll look in one link will be a thousand milligrams so i'm very picky i do like those i think they're convenient but i'm very picky with the ones i get because it's like i mean especially over 500 i'm like oh my god that's crazy because i'm eating at least two of them (laughs) yeah that is a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Trader Joe's has those good chicken, what is it, the app, chicken apple links. I think they're 450. Yeah, they're pretty low yeah. compared to what they could be, so definitely. But I think the same thing when it comes to food products. I do think it's kind of like, it's kind of scary when you think about it. Like the foods they have out there and they're so processed and everyone's just buying those and that's basically what they're eating. And it's not real food and I'm not going to like, go all paleo on you. I don't follow a paleo diet, but if you think about our ancestors ate, like, they didn't have this stuff, and they didn't have chronic diseases like we have now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of family members, you know, they, their number one reason that they're suffering now is, is from their diet. And so it, it's hard. And, and when you're raised eating a certain way, and like for my family, it was, you know, Mexican food. And so, you know, when you look at Mexican food and yours is Italian food, right? And so there's a yeah. lot, of, there's a lot of starch and carb and I love but you know like Mexican food it's you know you get your rice your beans and your tortilla and it's like uh uh-oh that's all gonna kind of break down in the wrong way inside my body yeah exactly yeah I know I feel like with the Italian and the pasta and the bread and and all (laughs) that kind of stuff that's how I grew up eating too and I have family members as well where it's just like it like, that was, it makes me want to go into the field more to try mm-hmm. and prevent, 
know, other people's family members or just them themselves to have all these problems that are basically due to lifestyle factors. Mm Mm-hmm. And that brings me to my next question for you, because I was reading an article called Balancing Diabetes and Celiac Disease. It's in the, um, I found it on the Diabetes Council website by Nicole Justice. And she wrote all about how there's a link between type 1 diabetes and celiac disease. So, you know, we're talking about all the starchy, carby foods. And I know that you like carbs and I do too. And I didn't give them up and I won't give them up. (laughs) But what are your thoughts about, you know, going about balancing meals and getting some good carbs in and avoiding, you know, anything that would, could be damaging to your health? Yeah. So, um, that's actually like something I'm super passionate about is every single client that I see, whether they're coming in for weight loss or they're coming in for, um, not diabetes, like, I always tell, I teach people how to control their blood sugar and, like, the importance of balancing meals because, really, like, our our system functions so much better when our blood sugar is under control. It regulates so many different things and not to mention, um, when your blood sugar is out of control, that's when people have like cravings a lot and their energy levels are decreasing. So I'm always encouraging people to have carbs at their meal, but you want to keep it to a portion size. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know what a portion size is. Mm-hmm. So I'm educating on that a lot and also balancing those meals with things like fibrous vegetables. So those mm-hmm. non-starchy vegetables, um, protein. So making sure you're having a good protein source at meals and those healthy fats and really creating that balanced meal to create balance in the body and um, help people reach their goals and also just feel good and prevent these chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how much, how much protein, I mean, how much protein and carb are you eating per meal? Like, you know, I, I was talking to someone and she said, that she's putting 75, you know, think of your plate, and she's putting 75% vegetables on her plate and 10, 15% protein, and then the other is carb. Do you think that's mm-hmm. that's good advice? Yeah, that that's pretty good. It's very close to what I would do, too. I try and, um, at least for myself, make mm-hmm. at least half my plate vegetables, which mm-hmm. comes back with a few cups and more sometimes is better just Mm -hmm. kind of depends on the meal and I'll usually have like a quarter of my plate protein I try and get at least 20 grams in per meal because I know for me that it keeps me full and I really want to stay full between meals and I actually don't like to snack that much I know that's not the typical like thing you might hear from a nutritionist but I try and like make my meals last me really a while because I just don't have time sometimes to be snacking all day long so I'll get about 20 grams of protein in a meal and um, about a quarter of my plate or I'll have one serving of carbohydrates which is mm-hmm. typically about like 15 to 20 grams of carbs and that's just what I feel like um, does best with my body. I do think mm-hmm. everyone has a different carbohydrate tolerance but I find that that's like a really good place for me to be at without feeling like I'm crashing after a meal and getting too tired about the problem I used to have and I always have a serving of healthy fats at my meal so about like 150 to 200 calories worth of fat mm-hmm. at my meal as well. well that's good to know you know so there's so much um how can I say it there's so much of a focus now on health and 
you know, people like you doing all these great jobs of educating people on how to make, you know, improve their health and make their lives better. Isn't it perplexing, though, when you see so much junk? Like, you know, we talked about this in my last question, but there's so much junk. (laughs) There's just so much. And I get baffled because I'm like, you know, you see commercials on TV and you see the the pharmaceutical commercials and then you you see I just saw this morning the beautiful Kaiser hospital commercials and I'm like you know there's so much focus on everybody getting healthy but yet the reality is when you go to the store you go to restaurants and there's so much junk and it's just like it's a conflict for me how hard is it for you to see that no, it's very easy for me to see that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, pretty obvious, especially in America, that a lot of our food choices revolve around um, the unhealthy options. And even if it's, like, trying to be healthy, especially when you're eating out, right? Like, we don't really know what they're putting in, mm-hmm. putting in our food and right. how much, like, you know, also well, fat, but how much they're putting in and mm-hmm. all the sodium that they're putting in. But it's... It's really easy not to eat healthy here, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> With I everything know. that we have around. Yeah. So, you know, you're in New York and you're so close to the city. And so where do your, or, you know, in your local area or whether you go into the city, I don't know if you have too much time for that a lot, but what are your favorite places to eat out at in New York when you do go out? Yeah. So I actually don't really go to the city that often, but um, on Long Island, and this might be a chain too, I'm not sure, um, I love season 52, and it's by Roosevelt Bill Mall, so I feel like a lot of people know where that is, it's actually like kind of in the mall, but I love them, them because they have a seasonal menu, uh-huh. so they're always like changing it up, and they're really sticking to the produce and the stuff that's in season, which is really cool, and they actually have all different menus for different um Conditions, so like they'll have a gluten free menu, they have a dairy free menu, I think they even have a vegan or a vegetarian menu, so I think that's really um, cool. But I love they, they have like the best food ever. And although I don't count calories, all I think all their meals are like 500 calories or under, so it's just kind of different than mm-hmm. a lot of other restaurants. So it's definitely one of my favorite places to go. What's your favorite menu item there? So that's really hard. I love their. Their tuna tartare it has like mango and avocado, and it's just like so delicious. I usually get it every time I go there, so it's probably my favorite favorite thing on the menu. <laughs> Making me hungry. It sounds good. I when you as as soon as you were popping out each word, I could visualize the mango and then I visualize the avocado. <laughs> Oh my god, the layers, it's so good. Yeah, that's what I'm visualizing. And it's like so colorful too, so it's nice to look at. What are your three, top three ingredients at home that you Um, use so often? Yeah, I would say definitely spinach. I always have spinach on hand because I'm always throwing it in smoothies or in like a stir fry or something like that. So I always have a bag of spinach on me. Um, the next one would probably be nut butters. I'm a huge fan of nut butters, and if you do watch my stories, like, every time I go to Trader Joe's, I'm at least getting one of them. It's not, like, stocking up on. I always have, like, a rotation of peanut butter, almond butter, cashew butter. Those are, those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always have that, because, again, I like putting those in CDs or 
oatmeal bowls or just like eating it off the spoon for a snack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that. And um, probably with, like the cauliflower rice and the broccoli rice because I use them so often. It's, it mm-hmm. just makes like whipping up a dinner for me super easy. And I'm all about 10 minute meals. Like I, at least during the week when I don't have time to really be cooking too much, mm-hmm. it just makes whipping up an easy dinner that could be really veggie based mm-hmm. um, a lot easier. Yeah, I'm with you too. I, I, I have 30 minutes max. That's that's it for me. Except for when I have to do baking, but 30 minutes is enough. You know, I just want to get it in there and get mm-hmm. it out and eat. Yeah, baking is <laughs> relaxing for me, so I don't mind spending time on that. Mm-hmm. But but for dinner, it needs to be quick. <laughs> so what what are your favorite cuisines currently? And you know, what are some foods or cuisines that you think you might be interested in exploring this year? Some, you know, some people, they like, you know, like what they grew up with, like I said, Mexican food or Italian food, and they kind of want to venture into something new, maybe Vietnamese. Or What about you? What are your favorites, and what are you interested in learning more about? Yeah, so I would say currently now, I'm like re- really actually into Mexican food and tacos. I've been like on a taco kick lately. Mm-hmm. So I, I just like love that because you have all the different flavors and like anything that goes well with avocado is really good with me. So I, I love Mexican food. I also love Italian food because it's just something I grew up on. It's very um, comforting to me and I just enjoy those flavors of sauces and stuff like that. But something that I'm, I want to actually explore this year is Indian food because I've actually never been to like an Indian restaurant and mm-hmm. I hear such good things about it and then it's really flavorful and I feel like I probably would like it. I think I've just been a little intimidated to go like out of my comfort zone. I'm so used to going to the same places. I'm like mm-hmm. a big creature of habit. So I think Indian food would be really interesting to try. Mm-hmm. And that is one of my favorite cuisines. And I think I've told you before when we were DMing on Instagram, I don't have anybody to go out to eat with me. I don't know. People I know, this they're just not venturing. They're not adventurous to go eat Indian food. So I sometimes, oh, no. I have gone out to eat by myself. But, you know, I, I make it Next a lot. Next time you're in New York, just let me know. I'll go <laughs> yeah, we'll go. <laughs> But yeah, and so Sounds you know, you good. might you might want to see the recipe that I posted a couple of weeks ago. I posted on the Gluten Free Globalicious website. It's for a stew. It's a cauliflower and potato stew. It's called Alu Gobi, and it is so delicious. And it's it, it takes a half an hour to make. Boom, you're done. Oh my god! And I have the cauliflower, so I'm gonna <laughs> have to try and make that. <laughs> right, it's really good. Yeah, I think you'll like it because and then those flavors just do something to your body that all the you know calming and the peaceful anti-inflammatory benefits that you get. It's it's really a calming. Oh my god! Food. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. They use such great, like, herbs and spices and stuff, mm-hmm. so it's, it's definitely something I want to venture into this year. Yeah, you've got to do it. I'm, I'm going to look forward to your Indian restaurant posts or your cooking posts. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any plans for the future? I mean, you know, a lot of people are writing books or ebooks. Do you have any plans to write any books? Will you be attending any health expos? Do you do seminars or... Maybe you have travel plans. Share whatever you want with us. I'm dying to know. Yeah, so I actually have something pretty exciting, and I think this is the first time I'm actually saying it. So I'm developing a weight loss course. So it's going to be 
a weightless course um, that I'm going to be developing with different modules, and it's going to have, like, videos and um, just educational materials, and I'm basically putting everything that I've learned with counseling patients with weight loss and managing my own weight into this course, like, everything. I'm not leaving anything out, so I'm really excited about that, and on top of it, I'm actually having a mental health counselor in there as well, so it's really going to have those, like, techniques for behavior changes too so that's something I'm, I'm really excited about and I think it's going to be really valuable for a lot of people like I'm, I'm really trying to put everything in it so people can get these long-lasting results because I know weight loss can be very difficult especially to keep the weight off that is excellent congratulations and thank you for announcing it here I feel honored yeah <laughs> I think you'll you'll do a great job, of course. That's so super. And yeah, the mental health portion of it, that's really, really helpful because so many times, you know, eating and eating habits, it it's, can get to be, or it is a mental thing. You know, I, I know that when I was diagnosed with celiac disease and my body was going haywire and I gained so much weight and then, you know, I had a car accident and I gained more weight. It was depressing. I just was like, what am I going to do to get back to who I was before and feeling strong and healthy? And you just have to work through so many different things inside of your mind and, and to keep yourself motivated to, you know, I'm going to get through it. I'm going to feel better. I mean, you, you got to like repeat mantras every day to yourself. So yeah, it's, it's hard. I see people suffer from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think weight loss is more mental than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like people have to have the mindset for it. They have to have those mental techniques to go into situations or else um, it's not going to be long term because it's not just about a diet. It's about a lifestyle and making habits that are going to be long lasting. And it's like a, we don't like to change, right? Like we like being comfortable. And even if we want to, let's say, lose weight, it's not easy to do. Like, it's very challenging. And any change that we do, whether it's for the good or bad, mm-hmm. our body can, like, put you through as pain almost. It's really difficult. So having that aspect of the mental health and the cognitive behavioral therapy, I think is going to be very helpful for people to not only, um, to get the most out of the program, really, so they can make it a lifestyle. Right. Well, good for you, Heather. You're on to good, very good and great things. Well, I want to wrap this up because you're so busy and I know that you've, it's three hours ahead. So you probably want to relax after your long day of work. I thank you. (laughs) I thank you so much for being here and sharing all this great information with my listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And yeah. Thank you for tuning in today to listen to my interview with dietitian Heather DiBiase. I hope you enjoyed learning about Heather as much as I did. To keep up with Heather, be sure to check out her website at heatherdibiase.com. That's Heather, D-I-B-I-A-S-I.com. And follow her on Instagram at lowcarb.nutrition. That's lowcarb.nutrition. Endless blessings to you all. Thank you for listening. And until next time, take good care.